This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's the No Name Ever podcast with your host, Jamie Smith. Good evening and welcome to the No Name Ever podcast. I'm Jamie Smith and my guests this evening are Kevin Robinson, James Bird and Dan Black from the Burnley Express. Um, there's lots to go through today, lots and lots to chat about. Obviously, two matches since we were last on air, so we'll kick off with the West Ham game. Burnley went out the Capital One Cup 2-0 thanks to two penalty decisions. Um, Dan, we'll start with you. Do you think we were maybe a bit unlucky with the West Ham game? I think that we were more than a bit unfortunate, really. Um, I mean, particularly when you look at the first penalty decision. Is I mean, Shackles clearly got across Nolan and and taken the ball. And what the referee's saying, I do not know. But um, I mean, you look at on the flip side, the same thing happened to uh, Sam Vokes at Millwall, and we've gone unrewarded there. So you just you just hope that at some point it's going to even itself out a bit and we're going to start getting decisions. But yeah, I mean, first, first our performance were brilliant. I thought we looked a bit jaded in the second half and they brought the lights of, of Downing on and I, th- I thought he changed the game a little bit. But overall, I was uh, I was happy with the performance, yeah. Especially considering we had a, a reserve midfield out in a way, really, didn't we? we were, there was Jill, David Jones suspended and Dean Marnie and Scott Arfield both injured. So the fact that we competed for so long with a second string midfield, that has to be a plus point. How do you think the, the, the four lads who came in did in midfield? I thought they'd done very well, yeah. I thought they've, they've given a very good account of themselves. And, you know, Edgar's coming in on, on Saturday as well and, and done exactly the same. Um like you say, when, you, when you're missing three or four midfielders, it's, it's always going to be really hard work to compete with anyone. But anyone who saw that first half will know that um, they were more than competitive. They were, I mean, we dominated, didn't we? Completely dominated. So, uh, I, I yeah. thought we were very good for the first half. Yeah, second half, like you, you just touched on there, Dan, I think the West Ham subs made a difference as well. But the, the penalty decision has effectively decided the game, I think. Um, James, you must have been pleased that... Your your number one player Brian Stott was in the starting lineup. How do you think Stott did for the the West Ham game? Uh, well, I only saw the second half because um, I wasn't around for the first. But I heard very good reviews from his first half. Um, I thought he did okay second half. Uh, both of the midfielders seemed to be struggling with match fitness as the game went on, which I think is is to be expected when they've played so little games between them. I think. Uh, with the high-pressing game that, that we've been playing under Sean Dyche this season, I think it was inevitable, wasn't it, that Edgar and Stock, they're not really those sort of players anyway, but when they haven't played as much football, it was inevitable. They weren't going to be quite the same level. I, I thought we we did pretty well considering we were against the Premier League side with, obviously, some of their first-team players not playing, but I thought we performed pretty well. Um, Kevin, have you seen the, the first penalty decision? What did you make of that, the shackle one? Uh, yeah, he's, he's been very lucky, Shackle, hasn't he? Because it's happened to him twice now. It was um, I can't remember which match it was, but it was when when Tommy Eaton served the penalty. It was it was one of the uh, one of the t- one of the best tackles you'll see all season, and, um, derby, and he was given a penalty. Saying, yeah, Derby, that's it. Yeah, and it's uh, it's happened to him again. Um, it was ridiculous. Obviously, the, the second one was was a penalty, but that, um, it was all over by then anyway. But uh, it, it can feel 
bit hard done by this season, Shackle, I think. Well, Shackle, arguably um, one of our better players this season. We'll come on to the, the player of the month and talk a little bit more about Jason Shackle later. But you made a good point there about the, the, the two penalties he's given away, neither of which were really penalties. And of course, um, he conceded an own goal last month, the only goal we conceded in the, the league. And he didn't really know much about that. It sort of hit him and went in. But Jason Shackle, I think, has been outstanding. Dan, we'll come back to you. There was one more change for that West Ham game before we move on to Millwall. Um, Kevin Long played instead of Michael Duff. Do you think that was just managing Duff's fitness? Yeah, I think I think you're always going to have to you're going to have to be careful, particularly with a, with a small squad. Um, you know, bringing the lights of the midfielders in and bringing the lights of Long in, it's important to keep them involved because at some point the likelihood is that someone's going to miss out and they're going to have to step in. Um, I thought I thought Long had done all right for himself again. He's you know Brighton. He was a bit uh, his performance was a bit up in the air. He let himself down a bit there. But I think you know he's, he's a decent he's a decent player and he's coming to a little bit. But yeah, like like I say, with the size of the squad, it's important. You've just got to keep it keep rotating, particularly in the cup. There's, there's been a lot of talk about the strength of the squad, James. Do you think the fact that we played fairly well against West Ham with probably five five of our first eleven? Out. Do you think that bodes well for the the long winter ahead? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you could see there that um, the players who came in all did good jobs. I don't think you could you could say that they were they were poor. Um, having both Edgar and Stocking at the same time probably doesn't suit our system. You probably need either just Jones or Marnie to be out and replace just one of them with Edgar or Stock because Edgar and Stock aren't the same sort of pressing players. Um, Stock's a little bit more capable of it, I think, than Edgar, who has been normally a defender, seems to want to tackle more and drop back more. Um, whereas, obviously, Stock likes to play the ball around, so it makes him more suited to maybe running after people rather than getting stuck in. Yeah, I absolutely know what you mean about that pair. I think, naturally, they both prefer to sit a bit, don't they? Stock did actually push on quite well. He played a bit further forward than I think I've seen him play before, but neither of them are really that sort of player. They're not going to get in people's faces. Um, just before we move on, because it is a very, very busy show today, Kev, you've got one last point on West Ham. Um, yeah, just just a quick one is that um, I don't think any of us can be really too disappointed about going out. Um, I think especially with the... Uh, with the squad, if you remember that in the 2008 or nine season when we got to the semi-final, uh, although we eventually got promoted, we did lose four four games on the trot in the build-up to that um, to that Spurs game. Um, you know, just with just with the, the, all the games we were playing in that period. So, especially with our small squad, I think it could be a blessing in disguise going out. Well, this is it. I mean, I think it says a lot that we started off the, the podcast with a, a quick chat about West Ham. We've done five minutes on it and the fact that we've gone out of a major competition hasn't even come up. I don't think anyone's too upset about that. But we are <laughs> going to move on to, to Millwall now because there is, like I keep saying, there is so much to get through tonight. Uh, so we'll kick off now with the Millwall. Uh, Burley came from 2-0 down in the first half and got a point. Um, Dan, do you think point was a fair result? How do you think we, we did coming back from that 2-0 going down? <laughs> I thought they showed great character to come back into a game which Millwall made very difficult, to be honest. I mean, they're a very limited side, Millwall. In the first half an hour, I think Lomas's mentality was that to get the ball over us, get it facing, facing the opposite direction, because that way we, we obviously can't threaten. You know, with long balls over the top of our defence, percentage passes, and just getting our faces, and they made it very hard work. And it, it was a very mediocre opening half an hour. But once we got that goal back, we started pressing ourselves. Shackle led the line expertly, had them pressing high up the pitch, used the flanks, and, uh, and Millwall couldn't cope with us. And uh, I think I think uh, one player that that showed their kind of mentality of how they were playing was Danny Shitty, who certainly lived up to his surname because <laughs> I n- never saw him br- bring the ball down once. Every time it came to him, first time into the stands or high up in the air, it, it was ugly at times, but. Fantastic performance in the end. Great second half performance. The goals were all quite scrappy, weren't they? I mean, um, Shitu's goal was a deflection and Kiteley's equaliser. I think that's gone down as an own goal, hasn't it? There wasn't that much quality on show. It was very much a blood and guts encounter. It was quite end to end, though, wasn't it? I mean, either side could have won it, really. It, it was, yeah. And I, I think it's another side to, to, the Ars- to their arsenal that the Burnley have shown. You know, they, they don't just play the nice, attractive football. They can get stuck in as well, they can get in opponents' faces. and in the build-up to the equaliser, you see um, David Egger going in with uh, Sean Derry, 
And I think I think that challenge, which led to the goal, just epitomised the hunger and the spirit of, of the performance overall, really. It was a 50-50 challenge, neither were backing out. And I think uh, Derry walked off after, I think he was substituted straight after that challenge. Derry, of course, is a very experienced campaign and one of the, the, the enforcers, I think you call him, of the Championship. He's been around a long, long time, Sean Derry, for various clubs. I was actually surprised when I heard he was at Millwall. I'd missed that he signed for Millwall, but he's a very Millwall-type player, so it wasn't actually that much of a he surprise is, yeah. to see him playing for Millwall. James, you were at Millwall for none and ever on Saturday. What did you make of the Burnley performance? Uh, I mean, to come back from two downs, he shows uh, great character. Um but we deserved to sort of get into that position because to start off, we were, we were very poor. Um, it, I think it seemed to flick a switch when they scored the second. Um, obviously, it was off a sort of it was a fluky goal with the second. Um, but after that, we seemed to sort of wake up and uh, that last ten minutes before the break, we were absolutely fantastic. And uh, obviously, that culminating Sam Volks getting uh, getting one back. And I think we carried on the same way after the break. And I think Scott Arfield in particular was very unlucky not to score. He had one amazing run where he rounded the keeper and just couldn't do anything with the final ball. And obviously he hit the post as well when we probably could have had a penalty straight after. I was just about to raise that, actually. Arfield did hit the post. And I, I was sure, I've only seen the hot... Um... I've only seen the highlights of this game, actually, but I was sure that Volks got to the ball before the defender and was tripped, so I, I couldn't understand why it wasn't a penalty. Um, do you have any thoughts on that penalty incident, Kevin? You were there as well, weren't you? Um, I was, yeah. Um, I, I don't really have any thoughts on the penalty. It was uh, a long way away from me. And the far end of the ground, the away end. Yeah, but um, what James was saying about Arfield, well, Arfield almost scored a header as well at some point in the second half, so it was... Um, he could have had a couple of goals really but um, in terms of the game overall I'm not sure we had I don't sure we had a terrible start I think it was a very scrappy start I think obviously their goal their second goal was was very was very lucky it was just, just hit Vox and if that, if that hasn't got hit Vox and gone in then it's 1-0 which is not a disaster and I think it was just like I think it was a very scrappy start rather than a poor start from us Um I think, but obviously, the character to come back from two 0 is fantastic. I'm, I'm really trying not to be disappointed, but I think I, I think we really deserve a win. Um, we, we we created enough enough chances to to win the game, and it, it, it's it's strange being disappointed to come back from from two 0 down to draw. But I, I really thought we could have won that. I think I think, I think it, it just took. Sorry, sorry. Go on, Dan. Go on. I, I was just going to say. I, th- I just think it took us um, longer than usual to to adjust to the conditions of. Of the way Millwall had set up, like like I say, I think I think Lomas felt that if we didn't have the ball on the floor, we we couldn't hurt them, which you know proved correct in the end because the the amount of hard but we were constantly facing our own goals, just chasing balls while they while they were putting pressure on us. But once we got the ball down, we got the ball to Arfield's feet. You know, Arfield was outstanding on Saturday afternoon, and um, the move leading up to that to, to the incident where Arfield hit the post was absolutely. Sensational! Just one touch football, free flow in. Arfield takes it past Robinson and uh, and and smashes the post, and then Volk should have had the pen. Don't know why it weren't given. I, I was joking. They were quite. They were quite, sorry, they, they were quite quite a strange team to watch like that with Millwall. In that they, every every time they got the ball at the back, it was it was just it was just knocked out of the sidelines for throwing or hit of the pitch. There was a few occasions when there was no player, no Burnley player within ten yards of. Um, of, of a Millwall defender, I and mean, it, it just hit it straight out for throwing. It was, yeah, it was it, very strange tactics. It was just essentially get it, get it, player, get it out of play. Uh, like I said, just to stop us getting it, get it on the ball and floor. Why? Why do you think that it took us so long to adapt to the Millwall style of play? Like, it's not going to be a surprise, is it? Millwall always play like that. They always have, regardless of who's in charge. It's it shouldn't be a surprise that they're going to be that sort of up and under team and playing long balls and getting in our faces. Do you think maybe not having Dean Marnie in there, maybe that was a bit of an influence in there? Do you think we missed him? I think you were a massive miss, yeah. I think with 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 Marnie straight away you you can sense the absence of of the energy in the in the midfield. Um I think, you know, it, it would have made a difference. But you know, to be fair, we we got back into the game well. I mean, with Millwall now, that you know they've got the likes of of Nicky Bailey and and Waggon and McDonald and Wolford. You know, all all players who who've got a bit of flair about them. And when I when I saw the team sheet, I thought, you know, they're going to try and play football here. But 
you know, there weren't any evidence of it whatsoever throughout the 90 minutes. Do you think that was maybe an indication of them trying to stop us from playing, maybe? Do you think perhaps they'll try and play a bit more football ordinarily, but they were a bit afraid of what we might do to them if they did that and opened up? I think, yeah, I think I think you're probably right there. I think you know, I think they've probably done the same with QPR as well when they went there. I mean, teams who can play football, they're gonna they're gonna make it hard from. They're not gonna play into into our hands because obviously they've low mass of in how well we've been playing um, at the minute. And you know, if if that's the way they're gonna get the points, then you know that's what that's what they're gonna do. Um, Kevin, I think you were about to jump in there, weren't you? I think I just interrupted. Oh, it was me actually. Oh, go on. Sorry. Um, I was going to make a point about how I thought Millwall were, to say they're a team who are supposed to traditionally be a, a side of hard men, they did a lot of play acting and a lot of time wasting. It was, it was, I can't remember the last time I've seen a side that it felt like they were time wasting from, from kick-off, um, but often it felt the case with them. They were on the floor every chance they got, rolling around, and uh, it was just a bit, bit of a short, really. Um, a bit like Brighton, the, uh... maybe? Yeah, there was, there was the fantastic moment in the second half when um, one of our, one of our players went down. In fact, no, it was the first half when we were attacking, attacking towards. One, one of our players went down. He was on the floor kicking his legs, and within two seconds, as soon as we started moving forward, he was sprinting towards goal. And it was uh, that was just that was quite a funny moment. I think that's always a sign, isn't it, that a team's been instructed to behave in that manner when that sort of thing happens. Um, there was a flashpoint involving Sam Volks, wasn't there, after the, the non-penalty incident. Dan, did you see what happened there? Yeah, I think um, I think it's it's, it's Robinson that's got, gone into the back of him, isn't it? And and Volks has obviously gone down. And I think, as as, as per a few of the players have, have got into their heads, that he's, he's dived quite easily. And I think it was Nicky Bailey that got in uh, that got involved, and it's resulted in um, Volks and Bailey, uh, what kind of squaring up and and laying the foreheads onto each other. Yeah, I'd uh, I'd only pit Volks in that one. I think he had a he had a few foot on him. <laughs> He's big lad, Sam Volks, isn't he? He's I, a I big was, lad, uh... yeah. I was just listening to the game, but at one point in the second half, it did get quite feisty. And I was a little bit surprised that both teams finished with, with 10 men. What Do you think the referee managed to keep control of the game? How do you think the referee coped with that sort of encounter? Um, there were times when it, when he let it slip and... Um... It, it, it was important that he got a grip of it again. There was, you know, there was moments where McDonald was was throwing himself about and throwing himself on the floor, and it, it just needed a word. And eventually, I can't remember if McDonald was booked or not in the end. I think he might have been, um, but he was quite a, a persistent offender in um, making his presence known. And I think, you know, by the end of it, Michael Duff had, had had a bit enough of it, and he started giving it him back a bit and yeah there were just times where the referee had let things go away he just felt he needed to pull it up and and bring the game back down back down to earth a bit so that we could play football again but just just going back to the whole Millwall mentality really you, they'll just do anything to to stop to stop the opposition playing and you know I think Lomas will feel that they did it quite well He'll probably be delighted with a point, really, even though they went 2-0 up. Kevin, you've got a point on the referee as well before we move on. Yeah, I think uh, there was a few a few times in the second half when there was like a 10-minute spell where there was quite a lot of quite quite bad challenges and quite a lot of bookings as well. And I think that's always a sign of a referee who's not quite in control because if, if, if once it's one or two of us, he should really stamp his authority. A yellow card should be a sign of, OK, you know, I mean business, no more of this, but... It seemed to be a case of just everyone going, going, you know, going in, and there was, there was, I think, there was one or two of those spells in five, five, ten minutes when there were quite a few bookings, and that, that's always a, a sign for me. The referee's not quite in control. Um, one of the things I noticed, um, and I think Adam's probably going to press the button as soon as I mention this, but um, the use of substitutions again is a. One of the bugbears I've regularly had with Sean Dyche since he became Burnley manager, and um, I was a little bit surprised that he didn't go for it a little bit more. I know we don't have a lot on the bench, James, but I would have been thinking about Junior Stanislas in the last few minutes, maybe, to see if we can create a, a winning goal. Are you a bit surprised Stanislas didn't come on? I was expecting to see Stanislas, to be honest. Um, I thought that Edgar might have come off as well after he picked up what looked like a, a bit of a knock in the build-up to our second. 
where he, he went in hard and he caught one on the knee. And it did look for a moment like he'd maybe not be able to continue. Um, <clears throat> on substitutes as well, I think um, the, the first goal had a big influence on on what changes we, we would have made. Because I think before that, David Edgar was really, really poor. Um, I don't know if it's because he was trying to live up to sort of Dean Marnie's normal role, but I thought he was absolutely dire for the first half an hour at least until he sort of seemed to get into his floor and he, he was trying to put challenges in and he was working hard. Um, but it was a, an odd one, I think, taking Kiteley off. Um, it did feel a bit like towards the end that we were just sort of playing time out for the point. Um, we sort of lost any urgency. When we got throw-ins, we weren't rushing to take them. Um, so I think that might be why he brought Stock on rather than rather than Junior. I thought the same. I mean, I again, point out I wasn't at the game. I was just listening to it on the commentary. But it did seem a little bit like we were happy at at two all, which is fine. I mean, a point at Millwall's very good result, and we've got to remember we were two 0 down. Kevin, you've got a point about the substitutes on Saturday. Yeah, I think definitely in the last towards the end of the game, we did we definitely settled for the point. We we slowed everything down. We we stopped taking risks. We we started holding on to the ball a lot more. But I I think that was the right decision. I think because Junior Junior was actually warming up just before Stock came on. Um, so I thought it was him, him going to come on, but I, th- I think Stock was definitely the right, the right decision. We were start- I think the five minutes before Stock came on, we were starting to get overrun in the centre of midfield quite a bit. We were doing quite well on the flanks. We were good- going up wide, we were doing really well. But in the middle, we were losing it a bit. Every time we went through the middle, Millwall coming to us rather than us going to them. Um, so I think Stock coming to the middle, going five in midfield, bringing Stock in, just gives us that bit more solidity in the middle, which allowed us to uh, see out of the game because we were- we was a threat of, of us. Uh, of us losing it at the end. Um, do you agree with that, Dan, or do you think maybe we could have pushed on and tried to win it a bit more at the end? Um, I think, like, like Kev was saying, to, towards the end, we were starting to look a little bit jaded again, and um, which is understandable with the amount of games all, all the players are playing. Uh, and I think to to move to a more um, solid midfield made a lot of sense because you know we stock. You've still got. You've still got a great pass through the ball in stock, and he can still find, you know, the feet of Vaux or Ings ahead of him. He can still find the feet of Trippier or, or, uh, you know, any anyone who's who's out wide. Um, but I think, you know, once once we're getting overrun in the in the centre a little bit, they were throwing balls into the box again with, with Millwall, and I, I just think it was it was the right decision just to shore it up a little bit. I suppose if um, if we had put Stanislas on, I think it, as well, it would have been good at his, his catching. Well, I was just about to say if um, Junior had come on and um, maybe given the ball away and we conceded a winner, then we'd have been saying he shouldn't have brought him on. So the fact that we did get a point, I suppose we have to have to praise Sean Dash for managing to get that result. Um, we are going to move on from Millwall now. There is a lot to get through today, and we are going to do the Player of the Month award. Um, None and Evers teamed up with the Burnley Express. We've got Dan from the Express with us today for a new Player of the Month award this season. Um, we've had a couple of di- a different winners already. I think Danny Ings won in August and Sam Volks took the September prize. I think that's right. And we have a different winner again. But before we announce the winner live on the podcast, I want um, the choices from the, the four of you, actually. We'll come to Adam as well. We'll get Adam out of his producing duties. Who was your choice, Kevin? We'll start with you. Who do you think was player of the month for October? I went for I went for Trippier, Trippier this month. Um He's always a consistent performer. He's always plays well, but I think this month he was particularly strong. Um, he got a few really important assists. Um, the first one against Reading for, for Danny Ings, and he set up um, Scott Arfield's winner at Ipswich. And he got a sort of goal himself against Doncaster. I think it was he his cross, it, but it? It, it wasn't his. But it, yeah, so um, I, he kind of created three, three, three really important goals for this this month, and obviously he's played his part in one of the best defenses in the league. So I went for Trippier. I uh, made this point on the podcast last week, I think, but before when we announced the we were going to be doing the award, someone joked that it was going to be called the the Kieran Trippier Player of the Month award, just because he is so consistent. Um, but he hasn't won one yet, just because of the excellence of everyone else. And he hasn't won this month either, so he was up there, but not Kieran Trippier. James, who was your pick this month? Um, I went for Jason Shackle this month. Um, I've, I just think he's been sensational all month. Um, I've, I've seen um, most of the games, I think, in, in October. So 
all the Saturday games at least, and uh, particularly at Ipswich, where it was a very tight game. He was absolutely fantastic at the back, um, always making the, the important last gaps challenge. And uh, I think you know since he got over the injuries he must have had in the first few months he's been here, he's been an absolutely outstanding centre back, and uh, his performances almost remind me of sort of Stephen Caldwell promotion season, how integral he was to everything. It says a lot that we are now talking about Shackle in that sort of bracket, the Stephen Caldwell, of of having that sort of influence. Um, Adam, can I come quickly to you? I think you were a Shackle voter as well. What was the reason you went for Shackle for October? Um, um, he, he kind of just leads from the back. He's just a massive kind of help to our whole team. He, he's, he's the captain, and you can tell he's the captain, which is, is more than Chris McCann did when he was the captain. Um, and... He was, he's just so, he's so consistent at the back and he's so good. That's why I voted for him. Well, of course, it was it was four wins in the league, four wins out of four, and we only conceded one goal in the league, which was actually a shackle on goal. So impressive that he's getting so much praise. Um, Dan, what about you? Who was your choice for October's Player of the Month? Um, I'd agree with the with the two formerly said. You know, both Trippier and Shackle have, have been absolutely outstanding. But I think, uh, Tom Eaton deserves a mention as well. Um, I think just his presence at the back is is vociferous. He, he knows where he wants his defenders to be. Defenders know where they need to be. Um, I think since he's he's come in, along with Shackle Marshall in the back line, they've looked so solid and so organised. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think I think Eaton deserves a lot of praise as well. Heaton's a funny one actually because the defence has been so good this season. I think Heaton a lot of the time he's not really had much to do, so he's not caught the eye as much. But he has no. made big saves at important times. I'm sure we will need Heaton um, at some point. We've had a couple of comments actually on the live chat. If you are listening, hang, um, get your comments coming in because we'll give you a shout out. And if you're listening through Twitter, you can use the hashtag NNMPod um, to get your comments to us. Um, we've had a couple of people saying that Shackle was their choice um, Andy mentioned Danny Ings I think that's just a, a reflex from Andy to mention Danny Ings um, but we are going to do the winners now and I've got a breakdown of the, the votes actually that was calculated by our own Kevin Robinson ahead of the announcement um, that will be made in the, the paper tomorrow we're going to announce it live on the podcast Tom Heaton was in there he got 10% of the vote Sam Volk's 10% of the vote as well it was quite split not really a, a clear winner there was a lot of votes for different players Scott Arfield 11% of the of the, the vote. Danny Ings, 13%, really, really even. Second place was Kieran Trippier, who had 16% of the vote. And can we have a drum roll, Adam, for the winner? I don't have one, but I can do one. <laughs> I thought you said you had one. Anyway, no. I'm, I'm sure you can guess with all the players I've just been through, but it is the player that we've just been talking about. Jason Shackle is the October Player of the Month with 31% of the vote, so almost a third almost a third of the total votes and there were actually a couple of votes for, for Bertie B after his <laughs> performance in the, was it the QPR game when Bertie B got sent off yeah <laughs> I thought that was quite amusing a waste of vote in a way but it, it did raise a smile so that's one award for Ings one award for Volks and one for Shackle um, <laughs> claps all round for those winners um, just before we move on to the next topic on the list while we're on the, the subjects of the player and those three players um, James we'll start with you do you think those three are the, the outstanding players so far this season or do you think there's players like Trippier and Heaton have been consistent enough to be mentioned up there Ings, uh, Ings Volks and Shackle the winners so far um, I think out of the out of the group, you'd pick those as the, the guys who've been the standouts. Obviously, with Folks and Ings getting getting the lion's share of the goals and uh, Shackle's performance at the back and as captain and the way he's led the squad. Um, but I think Heaton's Heaton's been certainly been good enough to be in contention. But for me, he's not really had enough to do to sort of be the winner. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it was said that the defence has been so good that a lot of the time he's not had a lot to do, and he he has made some good saves. But I mean. You've, you've sort of got to take it as he's got to sort of see a, a real volume of shots to be to be outweighing the performances of everyone else. Um, and Kieran Trippier, you know, he's, he's always a consistent player. I think, but I think at times we have seen him get run ragged a little bit uh, on the defensive side. But he's always seemed to come back in the second half, and uh, he's always come out on top at the end. 
he struggled a little bit at first in the QPR game, didn't he, with Hoyle's pace, but he, he came into the game really well. He always seems to adapt to the to the um the challenge that he's facing. And on Heaton as well with the same game, the QPR game, I think there was only one save he really made. Um a shot that was straight at him. We'd pretty much played anyone in goal and we'd won that game 2-0. We were so dominant. Um Kevin, we'll come to you on those three players. Do you agree that they're they're the leading stars for Burnley so far this season, Shacklings and Volts? They're, I say they're three of the leading stars. Um, Is there anyone else you think's mention- up there? Well, well, I was going to say, I think there were 12, there were 12 players who got nominations. <laughs> That's uh, <laughs> James's mobile phone with his anonymous <laughs> ringtone. Um, but yeah, there were 12 players who actually got votes this, this month, which is quite incredible since we can only start start 11 a match. And I think that that's really epitomises our, our success this season. We, we, we've not had one player, we've not had two players, we've not had three players who've been outstanding. We've got 11 players throughout the pitch and we've got every single player on the benches has been outstanding as well. And I think that's, that's, the real, that's the real defining aspect of our season this far. We've not had three players who've been outstanding, everybody's been outstanding. I think you're absolutely right. I'm just looking again at the breakdown of, of the votes and there's Shackle, Trippier, Ings, Arfield, Vokes and Heaton all got 10% or over. So it was really split, which just goes to show how well everyone's played. Um, Dan, is there anyone else do you think's been up there? Do you think Shackle, Ings and Vokes have been the best players or is there someone who's flying a bit under the radar? I keep thinking about David Jones, who I think has been really, really good this season. I think David Jones has been tremendous so far this season. I think he's... His vision and his, his ability to pick a pass and, and speed up the play in the final third has, has really helped us, and it's it's helped us get behind defences uh, a lot this season, which is where a lot of the goals have come from. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, the the other three standout players, uh, Shacklings and Vokes, but you know you don't you don't find success being reliant on three players, do you? I think it's you know the team as a whole has been just you know Darch always talks about the framework and. Um, you know, it's 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 the organisation within the squad and the understanding. It's been absolutely phenomenal this season. I've I've never seen a Burnley team so well drilled. I don't think. And um, one of the players who epitomises that sort of approach for me is Scott Arfield. Um, Adam, I think you think Arfield deserves to be mentioned in that sort of company, do you? Yeah, I mean, he he provides such an energy down down like the, the flank, and he contributes goals. He, he's he's actually one of the best wingers we've had in in my opinion he, he's mean, not even really a winger is he it's no that, he's, he's, he's a midfielder but he's he's playing on the wing and he's doing really well at it um but he James will be keen to point out that he did uh make that mistake in the Blackburn game and so can he really be uh one of our best performers if he made that mistake but <laughs> I think he can it's, 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 a, it's a different month now I said that nullified him from last month. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's couldn't now... qualify for September just because of that mistake. He is, you know, he's we are already, we're already calling it that mistake because it <laughs> hurts too much to refer to what actually happened. But we're, we're talking about the, the season so far anyway, so surely... I think, I think the way just... he responded from that as well shows the kind of player he is, the kind of character that he is as well. Yeah. He's two games, didn't he, Scott Arfield? So it's, and he's got four for the season, which is... Is he third, third top scorer after after the two obvious guys up front? So he's been a source of goals that I think we're all a little bit surprised that he didn't really come as a reputation as a goal scorer from midfield, but he's proved to be and arguably one of the better pieces of of business we've done. Um, I yeah. do want well sorry. on that actually. That's sorry on on doing good business. I think obviously that means David Jones is up there as well as being. Absolutely. It's almost yeah. like a a swap deal with Chris McCann and I think we've definitely come out on top there. Well, the three lads, really, the three lads that have played, Heaton, Jones and Arfield, didn't spend a penny on any of them and they've all improved on what they've replaced. We've just had a comment on the, the chat from Gank saying it's a blessing in disguise that Wallace has been injured. That's maybe a little bit harsh on Ross Wallace, who I think did a pretty good job while he was in there, but Scott Arfield's been outstanding playing in there. Kitely is basically coming for yeah, Wallace. I, I think Kitely is actually Wallace's replacement and yeah, he's he's worked hard, but I don't think we've seen the best of of Michael Carey yet. No, he has worked extremely hard. The QPR game, he was still chasing down their defenders in injury time, and I was watching it after the game. And I was like, just have a rest now. We're two 0 up in injury time. The game's won. You don't need to be chasing people down. 
Um, Adam, can we come back to you on on the the squad generally? I think you've got points, mate. Yeah, we um did a, we did a few feature on the podcast a few weeks ago about the promotion season squad. And, yes, and yes, we basically. Did. The the promotion season's called one. I'm really interested to know whether we think that now our current squad is better than the promotion season squad. Uh, yeah, we can do that now, Shall actually. We do that? Putting everyone on the spot Sorry. a little bit. I think there was only a couple of the current players made it in. I'm trying to. Can you remember who it was that I really can't? I went for. I'm just trying to think who maybe made it through. I mean, did Danny Eanes get the nod? Or I don't yeah, think Shackle even got in. That. I can't remember who it was. I really, really hope Tom Heaton did. Uh, yeah, I'm not I sure he did, did because we were comparing the, the performances oh, yes. in the promotion season and Jensen was so outstanding that season, I think he got the nod. Yeah, uncharacteristically. <laughs> uncharacteristically. I think I think the differences between the two is is that the um I think Coyle got the team playing with Flair, didn't it? They they weren't really that much organisation it, it, it was the mentality he told his players that you can go out and beat any team and, and as soon as he went out on the pitch there was that belief that they could go out and beat any team with Dutch, I think he's got us playing a, a more attractive brand of football but at the same time you know we've we've got that organisation as well I mean you know it's, it's hard to think back to a time when we were scoring so many goals yet conceding very little as well so you know at both ends is is sorted of, sort of as out as well as in in the midfield yeah you've got a good point about the, the mentality there we had Clark Carlisle on the podcast fairly recently and he was saying that it was really unprofessional the the coil regime compared to a lot of the managers he worked with he was telling us about how they were having sweets and fizzy pop <laughs> <laughs> on the Friday before the game so it's it's a marvel really that we managed to achieve all that with the wing coil It'd be Iron Brew, it'd be feeding them all, wouldn't it? That was his, uh, <laughs> Probably would be. Cold spirit, I think. Iron Brew tram, tram, um, transfusions. Is that a word? That's the right <laughs> word. That is the right word. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll go through the panel, actually, on that point that Adam raised about the, the promotion squad. Which players, Kevin, would you have from the current lot into that? What, what would your mix of the team look like? Um, we'll go from the current lot. I, I think you'd have quite a lot, I think. Obviously, Trippier, Trippier would come in uh, uh, right back. T- Heaton, he, Heat, uh, a weird one because he's a better keeper than Jensen. But Jensen was, like you say, so outstanding that year. Um, so that's that's quite a weird. One. But then obviously the, the front two, I I definitely put Ings and Voxer. So I I put Vo- Vings ahead of Patterson and Thompson. Big fan of Thompson, but I was I was never a huge fan of Patterson. Um, on the wings, um, I think we, we, Chris Eagles was a big player for us that year. Not Robbie, Robbie Blair was a big, big player for us. I think they'd probably both get into our team at the moment. Um, and in, in centre midfield, Chris McCann in his day was was was, was outstanding. But Again, I think he was good that season, weren't he? But that was probably the best we saw of him. That's it. Yeah, I think he's never he's never been the same since. And we've definitely, like like James said earlier, we've definitely got the best of the swap deal um, with him and him and Jones now. Um, and in, in, back in, def- I, I think playing, just thinking of Caldwell and Shackle playing together is is quite mouthwatering. Um, I thought maybe that'd be in, that'd be a, an outstanding defence. But I think I think a mix of the two. I think this season probably coming off on top, um, from the top of my head now. But that might be just preference to the current team well i've put you all on the spot a little bit i think a point that dan almost touched on was um that it was more individuals really wasn't it on the coil it was like players like blake and jensen and chris eagles came up with moments of brilliance that we haven't really seen as much this season because they're playing much more as a team um james we'll come to you on this then what would your team of the the mixed two sides look like which players would you be having Obviously, it's hard to decide because the the fundamental it is hard difference to judge. In, yeah. in in formation we played, but I think if I was to pick a formation, I'd, I'd probably just to squeeze more people and go with the the championship promotion side. Um, I think I'd take Jensen out for Tom Heaton, um, just on actual ability rather than <laughs> how well Jensen managed to fluke that season. Um, it's a 61 game season <laughs> okay fair enough um, carry on <laughs> well how many other times did he play for Burnley 
He was never well, that good. In a no, you're right, game. but it, it was the whole season that he was extremely good for. Carry on, you can have heat and over. I'm not going to stop you from doing it. <laughs> you know, I don't know, I'll probably have me over Jensen. But, um, <laughs> uh, right back, I, I would replace Duff with uh, Trippier, and I think that was one, actually, that when we did it before... We yeah, I think it was Trippier. I'm trying to Duff's think who else it was. No. Um, and I... I'd probably take Carl out for Shackle. Um, just for, again from, I think, slightly better technical ability. Um, and obviously Calvin, as I think, would unfortunately get dropped for, for Ben Mee because um, he was a bit of a strange one, really, wasn't he, Calvin? I'm not sure. Yeah, well, when we did the when we did this feature before, um, I was actually castigated for not including Stephen Jordan because we played a few different people at left back that season. I went for Calvinus because he played in the running and at Wembley, but Jordan was the one that people seemed to agree was the the better one. I think left back's just been a problem position for us, really. I think yeah. I think Stephen Jordan was actually really hard done by in the Premier League season where and signed someone else to replace him. I don't think he'd done anything wrong and. Uh... I thought he was a you know perfectly capable left back, even at the Premier League level. Obviously, we saw that when we played uh, Man United in the first game of the season. He he had the assist on the on the Blake goal. Um, but moving on from from defence, um, I'd probably take Elliot in the middle um, with uh, Marnie and Alexander, um, just because the Elliot scored that that goal when we and his runs from from the middle were uh, were explosive at times and. Obviously, when he had played out wide, he, he was very capable of uh, providing assists. Um, on the wings, I'd probably go for uh, Michael Kiteley uh, really? and Robbie Blake. Well, I'm um, surprised at Kiteley. Well, I I know what he's he, what ability he's got, um, and I think that's better than the kind of I think Patterson really played out wide a lot didn't he because Eagles was quite often on the bench because of his yep. inability to be consistent um, but I think Carter is consistently a hard worker even though we haven't really seen his final ball come off yet he still gives 100% every game and you can never say that even if he's not been his most creative he's not had an impact um, and then up front I would pick um, probably if you could give him the service that gets him scoring sandbox um, over Danny Ings, just because I think he's he's more of an aerial target than uh, Ings is. Yeah, well, it will be. You've got to start thinking now about what sort of players would work well in a side, and I think your eleven looks like it would also be a good team. Um, you probably have a different sort of makeup of the side if you were doing it just on individuals. Um, Dan. You finally, then, you've had a, a little while to think about this while the others have been mulling their selections. Can you give us maybe a, a mixed first eleven? Um, yeah, I think I think I'd uh, I'd draft uh, Diego Penny and Rem- Remco van der Schaak in there. <laughs> what about um, Bezal Barisha? Have you got room yeah, for him? Yeah, Bar- Barisha's pushing. <laughs> yeah, he's pushing for a start. Um, no, I, I agree with uh, with a lot of what's been said. Really, I, I definitely have Tom Eaton. Um, in nets, uh, Trippier right back, Ben Mee left back. Um, it's a tough one between. I, I don't think you can have two captains at the back in Caldwell and Shackle. So um, there'd be a I lot think, of pointing going on, wouldn't they? If you they would, wouldn't they? Shackle. I think. I think I'd probably at a push go for Shackle. I think he's just got a little bit more about him in in terms of um, with the ball at his feet. I think Stephen Caldwell was an exceptional. Uh, organiser of the team Shackle's quicker as well Shackle's got a bit more pace as well yeah yeah. Oldwell was very slow he was excellent positionally but he was he was slow yeah Um, I'd have Duff alongside him as well and then you know there's so many flair players you can pick from you know who'd you go for you've got Blake you've got um, you know Elliot it is tough there are a lot of good players to try and fit in Eagles Kiteley, you know, Arfield's playing out of his skin at the minute. Um, you know, any any selection of them would work, but I'd, um, I, I, w- I don't think I'd get rid of uh, Vox or Ings up front. I'd have to play them too, I think. Unless you can include Jay Rodriguez for his uh, brief appearance during that season. Um, 
you could have Rodriguez. When we did it before, we were talking about the, the impact that they made that season, so we didn't really talk that much about Rodriguez just because it was two years later, really, when he had his breakthrough season. Yeah. It would be a, a totally different side, I think, if you just judged on pure ability, and I think Rodriguez would definitely be up there. So what about your midfield? Who would you be having in central midfield? Um, I think um, I'd go with... God, again. I think you'd have to go with... <laughs> I think you'd have to go with Alexander just because of the shield that he, he provided that season and the goals he contributed for, from from a, a deep midfield position. You know, I thought thought he were excellent that season. Um, and then you know you'd have to have a driving force ahead in someone like Marnie. Um And I think I'd probably go for Elliot. Um, yeah, I'd probably go for Elliot as well. It's difficult to leave Elliot out just because of, of that goal, really, isn't it? And we've had a team from Robbie, actually, on the live chat. We'll go through Robbie's team. He's gone for Heaton in goal, Trippier, Shackle, Caldwell, me across the back, Blake, Jones, McCann, Kitely, Ings and Volks. That sounds like a hell of a team, doesn't it? And um, I think mine would be fairly similar to James's, actually. I'd definitely have the promotion uh, midfield of Mark, um, sorry, Alexander, McCann, and Elliot, I'd want Blake and Ings up front, I think. So my, I'd probably fit Eagles in as well. I'd want Eagles in my side. And I'd go for Carlisle and Shackle, I think, would be my back two, with obviously Trippier and me as the fullback. So that was a good discussion, that spurred so, on by... Nice last for you. No, no, I don't think I'd be able to fit him in, unfortunately. He'd be my <laughs> impact sub, would be Stanislas. But yeah, thanks for bringing that up, actually, Adam. That was really interesting because so much of it has changed in just the, the few weeks since we did it last time, but we were revisiting this topic later on in the season, actually. Um, we had a couple of people asking about the quiz, actually. There's no quiz this week, partly because I was too busy to think of a question, and also because there's so much to talk about, so no quiz, unfortunately. Um, but Adam can play the quiz music for you, which is um, a consolation. <laughs> That's the end of this week's quiz. Congratulations if you got the answers right. <laughs> We're going to have to move on. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about this this week on the podcast was um, the search for a third striker, which is something Kevin wrote about on the site. And we, we heard about Connor Wickham, who was rumoured in the Sunderland press. I live in Sunderland, so I read the reports to be on the verge of signing for us, only to end up going to Sheffield Wednesday. Dan, what, what can you tell us about the Wickham deal? Do you think that was ever a possibility? Were we were we interested in Conor Wickham? I think, well, Sean Sean Darch came out and, and slammed them reports straight away, didn't he? He, he refused. He was ever interested in, in Wickham. Um, I've I've never been a fan of him, to be honest. You know, I've seen him play for the under-21s. I've seen him play for Ipswich. I've seen him play for Sunderland. I've never seen... I know he's only young. He's only 20, so he's he's still got time to develop yet. But I've never seen anything that's made me think, yeah, he's going to be a good player. He's, he doesn't score too many goals. I think he's only scored 20 in his career so far. And it's, it's just, it's, it's just one of them situations where you're competing with clubs who are, who have, who have room to take these players in. I mean, you look at Sheffield Wednesday, they, they had Gary Medine and Chris Maguire and that lanky lad up front, that Nau or whatever it's called, but none of them were in form. None of them were playing. They weren't scoring goals, so you can you can you can say to Wickham, you know, come in, we'll start you. You'll be in our starting eleven, and uh, I think they've brought Matty Fry in as well from Hull, who's who's a, an excellent signing at this level as well. So yeah, they both scored at the weekend actually, both on debut and um, both scored in Sheffield Wednesday's first win of the season actually, so made an immediate impact. Yeah, I think it's, it's it's the same with Lingard as well. You know, I mean Birmingham, Lovencrans, and Novak, they they weren't performing, they weren't scoring. Um, Nikola Zigic was injured, so you know you can you can say to Lingard, we're going to give you first team football. Whereas with with Vaux and Ings in in such form, Darch can't turn around to these players and say and and promise them a promise them a start. It's like with Brighton, you've got Mikael Smith and and Alua both injured, so Ashley Barnes is the only fit striker. They've brought in Leroy Lita. It's just being able to give these players what they want because they need to come in with this understanding that they're not going to start games and they're going to have to fight for a place in that starting eleven. So what do you think the difference was with, with Michael Kiley? Do you think that was maybe because Wallace was already injured? And also, is, are there any names you've you've heard about as looking for players? Do you know that we're actually on the hunt for another forward at the moment? Um, 
with Cartley, I, th- I think um, there there was limited competition, weren't they? Um, on the flanks, you, you could see Tracy and Stanislas lowering in in, um, in Darch's in Darch's rankings of them. Uh, they weren't being they were being used intermittently. Whereas you know, Cartley's come in; he's been promised first team football. He's been getting it. Um, with strikers, I've not heard anything yet. I'm still, I still believe that Craig Davis is is well on the agenda. Um, I can't believe no one's touched Becky at Norwich. I think he's he's made one substitute appearance in a cup game against Bury. Um, and I think you know you've got to look at Cardiff for possibilities. You know you you have Odin Wingy and Bellamy who started against Swansea at the weekend. Fraser Campbell came on as a sub. But then you have Maynard, who was an un- unused substitute. You have the Danish lad Cornelius, who they signed for seven million. Who's not coming a back looking as in Cornelius, really? No, you got Rudy Gested, Joe Mason. You know all those players that are going unused. So there is players out there to to bring in. It's um, it's just a case of of getting them in and convincing managers and convincing players that they will get an opportunity. The, the difficulty is, of course, that. A striker is going to have to sit on the bench initially. Um, Kevin, you wrote about this on the site, and that was essentially your conclusion, wasn't it? Do you think what arguments do you think Daesh can make to managers to get players to come in, knowing that it is going to be a place on the bench at least at first? Very few. It's really hard, and I think that I think that is the biggest issue. I don't think persuading players to come is the biggest issue. I think it's persuading managers to let them come uh, I think the only way we can get we can get someone to come is just by a manager doing us a favour essentially Daesh needs to you know talk to, to, to other managers he's he, he's got good contacts with and, and say you know we need this player for a month and just try to get get them to give us to give, do us a favour essentially um, one thing we've got on our side is, is how well we're doing so if if there's a player out of form in the Premier League who's maybe not doing that well uh Maybe maybe for someone like Cardiff, one of those players who's not in the squad because he's not quite got that confidence or something, they might they might want to come to us for a month. Um, play with some players, you know, there's a really good spirit in the squad, maybe come on and contribute to a couple of wins, maybe get that confidence up, get him playing well. But I think that's uh, probably our only argument we've got going for us. Um, and obviously regular football is, is a lot bigger, bigger pull than that. Yeah, I think I um, I just dropped out of the call. <laughs> I'm back now. Did you make the point about uh, Malky Mackay being a, a personal friend of Sean Dash? Surely there's a link there that can be exploited. And Dan just pointed out there's a lot of forwards at Cardiff that aren't playing. Um, James, is there any any players particularly take a look at? What sort of position do you think we should be looking to strengthen? Do you agree that up front's where we need another body? Yeah, I mean up front's the, the obvious the obvious spot at the moment. There's a bit of cover there in midfield. Um... You know, with we, Stocky and, uh, and Edgar uh, both both around, and obviously the, the prospect of Barty coming back in January, if, if we got to a situation where we thought we'd we'd need that extra man in midfield. Um, but obviously up front's the the real issue. If there's a suspension or someone picks up a slight knock and you want to give them a rest, we haven't got anyone sort of there at the moment. And I think uh, a name Dan mentioned uh, in Becchio. Uh, I, I think I've said before that he'd be my pick personally if we could have anyone in on loan who's not really getting a look in in the Premier League because he's a proven goal scorer at this level. He as well physical presence, isn't he? I mean, the Wickham link was not by by, by the manager, but I could understand it would be interested enough because he could come on and maybe exploit. Um, space in the last 20 minutes he's got a bit about him he's quite physical I think he'd be covered for South Volks Hooray Jamie's gone into a nuclear bunker <laughs> Sorry, <Paul>. um, <laughs> it's, it's like he's on an escort a slowly going into a, a lead chamber <laughs> <laughs> on a train going into a tunnel um what were you speaking about? I was playing Candy Crush. Uh, well, I think he was talking about Becky and how he's, uh, you know, how he'd be a good sort of person to, to bring on for a, a last twenty if if we could get him in. Um, and obviously, I think most people would agree with having a a guy like that available. Yeah, I, I think I'm surprised Leeds aren't touched. And to be honest, I thought you know they'd be the first to 
to respond to his uh, his uh, ineffectiveness at, uh, at Norwich, but I don't know. They haven't I'm got the same no setup there now, have they? Though, because he was no. in under Grayson, wasn't he? Yeah, um, and obviously the old owners too. Um, yeah, um, but I'm, you know, I, th- I thought he'd, uh, I thought he'd got himself a move by now, but. I think on that, all that physical presence as well, it's something what I mentioned in my piece and a few people have mentioned on Twitter is that if 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 we did have a disaster up front, there are people who could fill in for Danny for Danny Ings. Um, you know, there was a sort of obviously they couldn't do quite that well, but people like um Keith Tracy could come in and, and play a similar role to, to Danny Ings, but so we've not really got anyone who can come in for, for Sam Box. There's nobody with his his presence, his physical strength, his his strength up top. Um, so I think that's I think that's the type of player we, we do we do need to be targeting. Yeah, I think it's, it's the same kind of mould with Craig Davis as well from Bolton Wanderers. I think he'd fit in quite well. Um, and you know, for a big lad, he's he's quite tidy with his feet as well, and he's he's got a decent shot on him. Uh, and score, you know, he scores his fair shares of, fair share of goals as well. So I think he'd be another one that uh, that would come in and complement the squad quite well as well. I think Jamie may, may be back. But I'm not sure. Jamie, can you speak? I'm back. I'm back. Can you? I've returned. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, I can hear you. Is, is there anyone there? We had a couple of suggestions on the chat. I'm not. I think that was an internet problem. Um, Sylvani Blake, free agent, has been injured. I'm not sure if he's not. And Robbie says Will Keane's on loan from Manchester United. So there's a couple more options there. Um, Just finally, though, before we do end the podcast this week, I wanted to talk about um, the 12-month, one-year anniversary of, of the new manager coming in. And I just wanted to get views on how everyone thinks he's doing and um, how he's done for the year so far. So we'll start with you, please, James. How do you assess Sean Dyche's first year in charge? Uh, I think he's been fantastic. I uh, I, I was a, one of the, I think, few people who sort of was defending him at the end of last season when a lot of people were saying he was, you know, negative. He'd, been the cheap option and I think it, it was clear when he came to the side that we needed to do something about how many goals we were conceding you, you can't do well in this league conceding 2.2 goals a game um, and he, that was his first task he, he dealt with that well um, I think there was a lot of good promise in there there was a, a middle in run towards the end of the season but I think that was to be expected when he hadn't quite balanced the team the way he wanted He's then had a you know full summer to work with the squad, getting getting people who fit what he wants to wants to create. And uh, I mean, he always says that his aim this season he didn't set out a sort of a, we should finish in this position, this position. He said he wants the team to come out every game and be competitive. And uh, and I think you know we've more than done that. We've had a comment on the chat actually from Roger. He says, "What will none ever do if they lose Jamie up top? Have we got anyone with the same physical? presence um, <laughs> I'm not sure we do maybe Andy would have to fill in I think Andy Andy could fill my boots um, Kevin what do you make of Sean so far um, yeah I think I was looking through because I knew we were going to be talking about Sean I was looking through some of my posts on the from the end of last season and um, although I thought I was a defender of his I definitely defended but we, uh, we didn't play long ball which I think a lot of people thought we did it was, it was quite negative football but it wasn't it wasn't particularly long ball but um, I was quite, I was quite heavily criticism, criticizing him at times as well. Not just him, but the squad. I think one thing I did ask, I asked which players we'd be genuinely gutted to leave, um, and effectively the answer was Austin. The rest of the squad, there was there was nobody who I I thought was, um, we really really disappointed to leave. I think I think if you ask the same question now, it would be most of the squad. But I think there's very few players we would be not too fussed about leaving. Every single one. Of them the players we'd be really disappointed to leave and I think that's that's one of his his biggest things I think he's got players who were quite under underperforming he's got them to almost world beaters um and I think Keith Trace is a good example of that I think he, he was a complete utter disaster um until Dash came in but he's got him he's got he's got Tracy really believing in himself and he's actually looking ambitious as Tracy which is something he's never really looked before he's, he's looked like he's just been going through emotions but now it looks hungry uh, I think that's a real a real plus point of Dyche's, uh, Dyche's 12 months. I want to avoid making a joke about Keith Tracy being hungry, but um, maybe he was a little <laughs> bit too hungry for the West Ham game, <laughs> making that challenge in the penalty area, which was um, shocking, really, that challenge. Um, Dan, you have more contact with, with, with Sean than any of us, really. What can you tell him about 
Um, him as the person, really, and what do you make of his, his year in charge? Um, I think I think he's had well. I think it's been a phenomenal turnaround. When he when he came in, I think it was a case of just get the season over and done with, and then I can work with what I want to do. You know, you, you inherit a squad. You don't necessarily want certain players within that squad, but you have to, you know you're forced to work with it. And at first, we were very one-dimensional, and I think it, you know it would just hit hit Austin, and I think people started thinking, is this is this all what we're going to expect? But he's had the summer. I think you know when you look at it, and you you lose the likes of Patterson and Grant and McCann, and obviously Austin, you think uh, what's going to happen here? And it, you know he's he's brought in Heaton, he's brought he's brought in Arfield, Noble, Jones. And it's just completely transformed the team. And I, th- I think just just in that, in them few transfers that he's worked on without a budget, just shows what kind of, you know, how astute he is and how we can how we can find un- unearth a player that's got got quality but not been, you know, given the opportunity at other clubs. And obviously now we've got that brand of football where we're competing every game. We're, we're beating teams that really we shouldn't be beating, you know, QPR with their millions. You know, beating Ipswich away from home was a phenomenal result, and uh, yeah, it's, everything's come together now. And you know, I think he's done done exceptional, to be honest. Do you think the small squad maybe is? Um, do you think he prefers working with a small squad? Do you think that suits him? I think some managers um, prefer working with a small squad, don't they? I think you just get that familiar familiarity and consistency in in performances, um, in the attitude of the squad. Um, I, th- I think you know it showed with with Coyle when we had uh, when we had a small squad there. It just I think it just breeds it just breeds that familiarity and a want to want to win for each other. I think you get you know you get too much competition, you get too much animosity sometimes uh, among clubs with with uh, with big squads. Um, we've had one fight, a couple of questions actually on the chat just before we do wrap up. It's been a very busy show today. We've got through a lot, but there's other things that I wanted to do. We could have carried on for another hour, probably. Um, Jack's been asking if there's any possibility of getting Sean on the podcast. Um, we are working on that. Hopefully, we'll be able to get something done. Um, but I can't make any promises, I'm afraid. We will keep asking the question because we'd love to get him on. Um, and Lauren was asking how long have we been top? That is since October the 1st when we won at Doncaster, so over a month now. And if we win again on Saturday, we will stay top. Um, that's it for this week's podcast, I'm afraid. We've got through it a lot. No quiz. I know a couple of you are upset at no quiz, but we will try and get one next week. Um, just just mention a... quick, quickly as well, sorry, that it's obviously going to be back-to-back awards for uh, Darch by the looks of it as well, isn't it? So. Yep, that was one of the things I wanted to mention. He, he's surely chewing for the for the October award after he won the September one. Four straight league wins. I don't think cup results count, do they? So he should no. be an absolute um, certainty for that. And I'd be surprised if there was no Burnley player on the shortlist as well. I think Shackle um, obviously won our award that um, we do in conjunction with the Burnley Express. And I'd be, I think Shackle maybe, he was on the shortlist last time, wasn't he? So maybe he'll, he'll get the nod yeah. again. It'll be interesting. I think they come out this week and one other thing that I did want to raise was Danny Ings and the, the England under-21s, that'll be another squad announced this week and I'll be expecting Ings to be in that squad again um, but unfortunately we don't have time for anything else today um, so we will have to leave everything else for next week, we'll be back on Saturday for for None and Ever Live for the, the Bournemouth game and the podcast will be back Monday night um, if you have been listening and you do fancy coming on on the podcast we would love to get you on give us a shout on Twitter give us an email you can email us blog at net or tweet us at net. Um, if you've got any feedback about the podcast as well get in touch we all the feedback you're giving us is really useful and worthwhile for us um, but we are going to wrap up now like I say we'll be back on Saturday for the Bournemouth game and Monday night for the podcast my guests this week have been Kevin Robinson James Bird Dan Black from the Berlin Express thanks a lot for everyone for listening and we'll be back next week bye Bye. You've been listening to the No Nay Never podcast. For more, visit nonaynever.net. And don't forget, follow us on Twitter at nonaynevernet. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.